This is the Alpha Human Podcast, and I'm your host, Lawrence Rosenberg. Today's guest is Daniel Luna, an expert in leadership and a highly accomplished military professional with over 20 years of leadership experience in the United States Navy SEAL teams at the unit, operational, and command level. Now, Dan was a member of SEAL Team 1, where he served 10 years completing five deployments, including two tours in Iraq, two tours in Afghanistan, and I believe a tour in the Pacific Command. Uh, in 2010, he became a member of the Naval Special Warfare Development Group, a.k.a. DEVGRU, a.k.a. SEAL Team 6. His decorations include two bronze stars with valor, the Purple Heart, the Defense Meritorious Service Medal, the Joint Commendation Medal, and the Navy Commendation, uh, excuse me, the Navy Commendation Medal with Valor. I think that's four times, actually. So Dan was also an instructor at the United States Naval Academy, where he developed and delivered leadership training to future Navy and Marine Corps officers. He earned a master's degree in organizational leadership from Georgetown University's McDonough School of Business, and he is the founder of 3LX, a leadership consultancy and coaching business. Dan, welcome to the show. Awesome. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, quite, no, the, it's quite the intro. I like it. <laughs> you like that intro? That's <laughs> great. Uh, it's, it's awesome. It's an, it's an honor having you on the show. Thank you for your, self, uh, for your service. Um, can't wait to get into this. Uh, I've watched a number of your, of your videos. I've listened to a few of the podcasts that you've been on. Uh, I've learned a bit about uh, your company, 3LX. Hopefully I'm saying it right. Is it 360 yep. or 3LX? Uh, 3LX stands for 360. Okay. Um, excellent. And um, yeah, I, I, I know you've been, I mean, I, in, in hearing some of the, the podcasts uh, that you've been on, I know you've been through some shit. Um, I mean, you've, you've, you've really been through the ringer and you've come out the other side and it's, it's pretty, you have a pretty amazing story. Um, we won't, we won't delve too much into that cause you're probably sick of telling the story. And, and, you know, I like to do some original stuff as well, but look, um, I, I want to get into obviously your leadership, uh, coaching, you know, what your philosophy on leadership is and, and life and achievement and all that great stuff. But First and foremost, we do have to let our audience know a little bit about you. So let's, let's dive into what, what made you who you are today, Dan, because I think to truly lead, you must have the integrity and the credibility such that men and women are actually going to want to follow you into battle. And that could be during war uh, or in business or in sports or, or any of life's pursuits where the direction of some visionary or commander or leader is necessary for a unit or a team to achieve victory. And, and you need to have gone through trials and tribulations, in my opinion, and come out the other side of that to have that credibility. So we'd love to hear your perspective and learn more about how you got here. Do you have a starting point for me? <laughs> That's, it's all a long story. So I, I just want to make sure I I kind of start at the appropriate spot. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd love. Well, let's let's start with what 
brought you into uh, the Navy SEALs? How, I mean, how did you, you know, what, what made you join the Navy? Uh, and so I'd love to hear it from that point forward. Yeah, so, so for me as a, as a young man, I, I grew up single mom and, and I, always, I grew up reading the Hardy Boy books. So I love the Hardy Boy books, never had a brother. And so that idea of brotherhood always appealed to me and testing myself, putting myself through a rite of passage, service, um, being involved in things internationally. So being involved in big things, mm -hmm. I always had an eye for either the military or law enforcement as a young man. So that really as a, as a kid, just reading different books and it, I was attracted to it. And so that's essentially what drew me to the SEAL teams is I wanted, I asked myself, what, what is the hardest? And so I, I was reading all these different books and nothing seemed to compare to BUDS, which is the, the selection program to go into the SEAL teams. It's about eight months long. And I was like, yep, that's it. That's what I want to do the hardest. I want to see if I can make it through the hardest program. So that's what I did. So I, I applied, I went through the recruiter. Um, so that was 99. I ended up going to boot camp January 13th, uh, 1999. And it's been a roller coaster since. So 99. So that's, when, when in 99 was it? January. January. So January 99. So you're in just, you know, just a bit, um, just a, a couple of years, I guess, before 9-11. Mm -hmm. So 9-11. So interesting story about that. So I was actually in my, I'd already made it to the SEAL teams. I was at SEAL team one. I was in my first platoon. So I was a new guy mm -hmm. in my first platoon. And we were out at a desert training site and we had just gotten back from, from doing a, a night patrol, working through night tactics and patrolling on, on nods and, and the different formations, the foot patrol formations through the, through the different terrain. And so we were just, it, it was a, like a shakeout patrol, just working through, through the plays, if you will. Mm -hmm. and we get back it's maybe i don't know it's pretty early in the morning we clean our gear and now the sun's starting to come up you know guys are starting to lay down you know folks were were eating after we had gotten back i just finished cleaning my gear i went into that we have this big galley or this big kitchen in this facility made myself a pb and j i look over there's this big living room next to this kit next to the kitchen and on the big screen, we had, we had some folks, some support folks that were out there and I see the planes and I'm watching the news and I see one of the planes go into the tower and I'm sitting there eating my PB and J and I was like, Oh man, what movie are you guys watching? I, I thought it was some action movie. Wow. Like it wasn't even, and they're like, no, this is the news. And it was just, everyone was just in shock. And, um, there was myself and a, a couple other seals there and we just, we were like jaws dropped to the floor and we ended up waking everyone up 
and then we came out and then we just started watching the news and sure enough so that platoon that i was with we ended up deploying to afghanistan just a few months a few months after that amazing i mean that's yeah. yeah i mean i remember as well um i didn't i didn't see the first one hit mm-hmm. um i was I, I was watching uh when the second one hit and yeah i mean you just obviously anyone who saw it when it was happening can can you know can explain that just surreal the hairs back on the on the back of your neck standing up and just the shock of it all is 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 incredible and um you know it's so you're so you're like in there and you know cup don't correct me if i'm wrong but you probably wouldn't have seen any any combat up until that point is that is that correct yeah, that's correct. At the time, the only thing that we really had going on that we were starting to practice for is we were enforcing UN sanctions in the Gulf from the first okay. Iraq war. So we were doing shipboardings and there were some issues with that some of the guys would have on some of the ships. Um, so we would board them on international waters and check them. And there was, you know, there was smuggling going on. There was different stuff going on there. That was really the only thing happening at the time. There was some stuff in Africa, not a, not a lot going on. Uh, a lot of training uh, called FID, so Foreign Internal Defense. So there was a lot of training that we were doing. Okay. Um, but nothing like what we stepped into in, in Afghanistan, later on in Iraq, and then even later in Africa. So I, a big question that a, lo- a lot of people are not, are not familiar with, um, you know, I've, I've read a number of books on, uh, on the Navy SEALs. Um, I learned about SEAL Team 6, never heard about it before, um, but I heard about SEAL Team 6 when I read a book called Rogue Warrior with, with Richard Marcinko, right? And uh, that's how Lawrence, I learned. Lawrence, if you, if you will. Yeah. So, so that does not exist. So SEAL Team 6 does not exi- exist. What exists is Naval Special Warfare Development Group. This is what I was going to ask you. Because <laughs> it, most people don't realize this. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so what I want to understand, well, I, what I'd love the audience to learn about is what is the difference mm-hmm. between SEAL, team, SEAL Teams 1 and 2, for instance, um, and right? Dev Group, like uh, AKA SEAL Team 6 that does not exist, yeah. right? Um, but what, so what is the difference? So at Dev Group, they do testing and evaluation. Okay. And that's what, that's what that unit does. And there is no, um, there is no SEAL Team 6. Delta Force doesn't exist. Yeah. These, thing, these things don't exist. Of course not. Don't exist. <laughs> um, <laughs> but how do you, you know, so, but how do you get, so how do you, go from because my understanding is you just can't you you can't qualify for for dev group unless you've been uh with seal teams one or two and you know are pretty damn good at what you do so i i mean that's like next level correct correct yeah so it's actually really impressive the folks that the folks that go out there and, and screen. So there's, there's a, a testing and evaluation 
that you go through that's pretty, that's long and also very arduous. And just the guys that go out. So that's another 50% attrition. So when you look at the attrition rate at BUDS, very high. So the basic underwater demolition school, very high attrition rate. So when you think about somebody making it through that and not making it through another selection, really a selection of who you are at this point as an operator, it's, it's really impressive just the guys that go there. Mm-hmm. And then it's even more impressive the guys that make it through. So it actually took me two times to get through the selection program. So the first time I went out, um, there was a lot of stuff that I still needed to work on. So I did not make it through uh, the selection. Went back, did some more time, just the timing worked out. So I went back to SEAL Team 1 mm-hmm. and then I rescreened and then made it through the second time. It's powerful. Yeah. Uh, um, so, so I've heard you talk about transitioning mm-hmm. uh, from having done something where you've given blood, sweat, and tears to for like twenty years, and how it's a you know how it becomes a big part of your persona. Uh, for you, I guess it was going from covert operations to overt, as you mentioned. Uh, to, to, you know, so going from covert to instructing at the Naval Academy or grad school or even becoming a civilian, it's, it's super challenging, uh, as I understand it, for warriors to make that shift successfully. There, there's got to be some lessons there, I believe, for people who have to change careers, for instance. I mean, right now, there are 20, 25 million people out of work due to this pandemic. And people need to figure out like how to pivot and transition into a whole new idea, um, some form of innovation if you're an entrepreneur and your business has been cut off or, or some new type of work. Uh, and, and this is whether as a, a business owner and an entrepreneur or even as an individual, right? Um, that's, that's, you're going from uh, being a, um, uh, you know, a, career, a career mom and now you're going to have a child. Now you're going to become a new mom. What, I mean, what insight can you bring for people who find themselves at that Damascus moment, right? Where, where they have to make a massive shift in order to survive or even thrive in their new circumstances. That's a great question. And we could spend the next 45 minutes just on this. Uh, What I will say is so much of our identity identity, especially for us in Western culture, it's almost the second question that we ask, right? So, hey, what's your name? Nice to meet you. I'm Dan Lawrence. Nice to meet you. So, um, so Lawrence, what do you do? So it's, it's, it's almost a second question when we, when we meet somebody for the first time and it's this, this identity and so much of our, of our identity is around what we do. And so the doing component is really, really important to us, right? So even for me, for example, if I didn't have the SEAL background, if I didn't do that, if I didn't have that, you know, I probably wouldn't be invited to do, to, to be on podcasts. Vice, if I did something else that may not be perceived as, as cool. So, so much of, of what we do is around this and so much of our own identity is wrapped up in it. And now when you, when you look at these cultures that have very strong personalities, a very strong identity 
attached to it and so much, you know, especially with high consequence of life and death. Um, that strength of identity to now shift from, from something that was like everything in really deep down to almost your being. So what you do is also like who I am. Like I'm not, I'm a warrior at heart and it's also my occupation and I do this thing. So it's really like a deep, deeper than what, what you do as an occupation. It goes into your being and that being your character, your personality, your actions and how you move day to day and how you look at the world and how you perceive things. So to, sw so to move from that, from, you know, covert to overt stuff for me to go to the Naval Academy and then to move from, you know, looking how I look now to be in a beard and to wear civilian clothes overseas to move to an environment that was a uniform. Um, and sometimes I'd shave twice a day just from, you know, I'd have a evening event and I would just start to show maybe some, some stubble. Right. So I would shave again because I'd still be in uniform. So it was the best way to describe it is I felt like um, a Martian. I felt like I was on another planet. And as I walked around, you know, of course the students aren't used to seeing a seal. So everyone's looking at me. So literally it's being from like being used to working in the shadows to now you're in, in daylight and you're like, Oh my goodness, I don't know how to handle this light. And people are looking at me. Uh, even other staff members would say just random things because of, you know, because of awards or stuff that was, was on my chest. And so it was, it was such a challenge just to shift even internal to the, I was still in the military, but just to move from, from where I was at to just another duty station that was so different and to work with civilians and to work with students, it, it was a shock. And I tried giving myself about a year. Right. And at, at my one year mark, um, I gave myself another year. <laughs> And so it took me about two years just to get used to the Naval Academy. Wow. So when you, when you look at that deep being, it takes time to change and it takes, it takes a long, it takes a long time. So, so how do you, so if you, if someone finds themselves in a similar situation, again, whether it's military transitioning to civilian life, um, someone transitioning from university into their, their first career. Um, you know, now all of a sudden you're a mom or your dad and you weren't before. Um, when, when you're making that transition and like you're, and you're in it and you're, and you're in this period of like, you know, feeling like a Martian, you don't know what you're doing. Like what kind of your two years of going through that, like what, what kind of, what kind of advice could you give to someone to help them not take two years to feel kind of squared away? Yeah. So the advice that I now give is uh, instead of thinking about doing, or, mm -hmm. and I had a lot of issues with that. What I started asking was different question okay. was who do I want to be? So my being in the SEAL team was, those, those values, those beliefs that I had, those, those dreams and those aspirations, 
I'm the same person. It just shows up differently in my doing. So even now that I'm retired and I have my own business, my being is the same. I still value strength and I still value service. It shows up differently in what I do today than it did 10 years ago, 12 years ago, you know, 20 years ago. It shows up differently. However, my being is the same. So when I reflect on the past and the things that I used to do, I, I have pride in it. You know, I have pride in like, yeah, I served my country. You know, I worked hard as an operator. I worked hard on my reputation. Like I, I did these things. I was around amazing people. I had amazing mentors and teachers and experiences. And I hold on to those good things. And I use those things to help continue to move me forward. What I've seen is people hang on to those good things mm -hmm. and they don't want to take them with them as they move them forward. They just hang on to it. And it's like, hey, pick it up. You're now going to do something else. You can still take those, those values and those beliefs and that work ethic and, and whatever you want to take forward. You can still take those fo things forward. Just don't hang on to the past. And what I've seen with a lot of vets is they try and compare like, oh, this is how it used to be, or I used to do this. And it's like, man, two, you're comparing an apple and an orange, if you will. Like you're comparing two totally different things. Like you're not in that environment. So why are you even thinking about that environment? Right. That thought process isn't even servicing you. Like, oh, my team member now isn't, they don't have the loyalty or the value system. Like, yeah, you're not in that environment. You're working with totally different humans in an all new environment. So how can your being, how can you, how can you now change that to a good thing? How can you now be a positive example? How can you be a positive role model? How can you be a positive mentor, you know, through example, through still living those qualities, just in a different environment. So even now as a leadership coach, what I've really learned is, you know, the better questions that you ask, the better answers you'll get. So really just shifting the question from, from instead of, hey, what do I do? Well, who do you want to be? Who do you want to show up in the world? And now having those vets, you know, really chew on those questions as they move forward. Um, that was one thing that helped me as I transitioned. Yeah, that's great. Um, sound advice. Uh, you know, while you were speaking, I thought, I thought to myself, that it's interesting you can people have uh, tremendous respect for those who have served those who have served um in in like incredibly difficult situations and come out the other side and then those who have led um in the military come out and the world believes that they can take great lessons from leaders such as yourself who can take the experiences that they've had, whether in combat or, or not, um, but from being in the military and, and leading um, a, uh, a military force or a unit. Um, and, I'm, and I'm wondering, do you view, um, do, you, do you believe that, a leader in, you know, a great leader from business 
or a great leader from, from sports could teach um, those in the military about leadership skills? Do, do, would there be, I mean, uh, you know. 100%. Interesting, why? 100%. So first, I think we can learn something from everyone. I think okay. there's, a, there's a lesson for everyone from everyone. And I think leadership starts with you. So I'm getting ready to release a leadership guided journal. And so I, I have a little bit different mindset on this, this idea of leadership. Okay. There are, there are things that absolutely the military can learn from business. There's huge gaps as far as budget and management and running things. You'll hear some officers or maybe senior enlisted say, I'm not a manager, I'm a leader. Um, I actually blame academia for a lot of this misunderstanding because academia has not necessarily gotten their, their stuff together in leadership. Um, there's gaps when you, when you simply just observe like an academic or like a scientist does observe and do research. And there's some distinctions between those who observe and those who are, who are participant or who are active and go through something. Uh, numbers will tell you a lot, you know, they'll say, Hey, 80% do this. Well, what about the 20%? Maybe that 20%, maybe maybe there was 5% where that was actually the answer for that situation. Mm. So how I approach leadership is, if I could describe leadership in one word, that word I use is guidance. A lot of people will use maybe influence, which I actually love that that word's used. Okay. Uh, for me, it's such a, it's once again, I go back to Western culture and with Western culture, we're very outward facing. You know, like, hey, looking at, oh, I can tell somebody's successful because they have a Rolex or they have a car, or they have a nice house or how we, how we look at success, how we look at, you know, even our language around um, consuming and consumerism. And so it's really interesting when you start going down uh, kind of that rabbit hole. So influence is like this outside thing. Hey, as I influence the people around me, I'm this big influencer. Oh, is this leader? I like to think is it's an internal thing. So anytime you look at philosophy or theology, it always starts, there's an internal component, right? If I go to a museum and I want to go through the museum, I can go on a self-guided tour. I can put my headphones on, I can get the disc and like I drive where I go on it. Um, you know, I can go on a tour, I can go on a river tour and there's guides. So leadership is really, it's your own self-guided tour through life. Like you decide, it's your choice. You have choices that you make every day. And so you lead yourself. So how you lead yourself is the most important thing. So how you lead yourself, and now it starts going external. Now it's like, well, how I lead myself, what now am I setting for others? And now as I set those things for others, whether it's in an informal position or a formal leadership position, as I 
through my behaviors, through my actions, through those things that I'm doing. So now I go back to being and doing, and I'll just use the same language through my being shows up in what I do. And now all these other things start to happen. People are like, Oh man, you know, Dan's a hard worker, or Dan, you know, has high integrity, or, you know, Dan's a dirtbag, or don't trust huh. me, right? So these things now show up, and then you get the other comments of, Dan's now a great leader. Oh, Dan, I never want to work for him. So now that's how, and people will quantify it um, differently. They'll say, oh, these things are like, I like working for him. Somebody else will be like, I didn't like working for him. So it's a real interesting, uh, leadership's really interesting. And to, to go back to your question, if I may, do I think things from the SEAL teams, I'm a little bit different. I have a, a different philosophy on this. Okay. I think there's great things to learn in sports. And I think there's great things to learn from business. And I think there's great things to learn from the military. I do not think that is a, it is a one-size-fit-all. And I do not think that if I wrote, you know, the seven qualities of a Navy SEAL and leadership on the battlefield, I don't think everything, that doesn't work for everyone. Actually, I know it doesn't work for everyone because okay. what I do as a SEAL on the battlefield is going to be totally different than what, you know, a baseball player does at high school than a baseball player does at, you know, um, a pro in a pro team what they can do is is distill it go through it and see what works for them and if i may what one more one more metaphor is um i like to say it's like baking cookies chocolate chip cookies if you will okay so if you like hard chocolate chip cookies and that's your recipe, and that's the products that you buy and what you make at home, can I say that that's bad? Can I put a morality on it and say that that's bad? It's like, no, that's what you like. Well, what if I like chewy cookies and I like nuts in them? Is that bad? No, that's just my preference. So really, that's how I look at leadership. There's all these different recipes, and it depends on like, well, what are you trying to do? Do the majority of the people like Chewy? Then maybe you appeal to them. Or is it just like, hey, I offer this and that's what I do. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, then I'll go someplace else. So now there's these different attitudes that go within it. And, and we're, we're simply talking about cookies and chocolate chip cookies. And now you start adding the complexity of behaviors and people and all the issues that people bring, especially with larger groups, mm -hmm. like the idea of leadership gets very complex. So even when we talk about something simple, like a chocolate chip cookie on how there's different preferences that you have, and there's different preferences that I have, right? Leadership is the same thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So what I'm wondering is, as a commander, as a leader, um, you're going to have a team and you may not have had the, uh, the good fortune to choose that team. Or you might inherit a team, for instance, and that team is made up of 
you know, all different personalities with all different types of motivations and inspiration. Some like chocolate chip cookies, some like Oreos, right? Um, and how do you as a leader, how do you appeal to the entire team and all the complex personalities to the degree, to the degree that you get buy-in, yeah. you get buy-in and they'll, you know, and they'll follow you to the ends of the earth, not because they have to, but because they want to, or it's in their best interests. But, you know, how do you, how do, you do that given the complexities of, of personalities? How do you get that buy-in? Yeah. So great question. So my mind actually goes to one of my deployments where that happened to me. So I flew in, I didn't fly in with my team. I flew in with a couple of team members. And then when I got on the ground, um, some of the team that was there was going to stay. Most mm -hmm. of the team was going to leave. And then there was people from different agencies flying in. And that was going to be essentially my team for the time frame that I was in this country. Okay. And so the recipe that that I happen to use that that seemed to work really well um, and and I measure that based off of feedback that I got at the end of that um, deployment was having that common goal right so nothing it's like hey I, I these cookies are really good what'd you do to it like hey man I added the basic ingredients and I baked them and I just stuck with the basics. I didn't get complex. So it was the same thing. Like, hey, I showed up. I didn't know what their jobs were. So I sat down with everyone individually. It was myself and the officer that I was with. Mm -hmm. um, and we sat down with everyone. And it was like, hey, Lawrence, so tell me about yourself. What do you do? And so we sat down and we just, we took time. Hmm. And it's, it's this super basic thing that people tend to get wrapped up in their own world. They get wrapped in like, oh, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. And they don't take care of their team. So just sticking, sticking with the basics of like, hey, this is my team. If they're successful, I'm successful. And the mindset of I work for them. And that was my mindset. So, and I, we sat down with them like, hey, what do you need? So they would come up to me, you know, throughout the time. They're like, hey, Dan, this is what I have going on. So just some common courtesy of if I was on the computer typing and they would come up, I made it a point to stop typing, to push away from my desk, rotate my chair, and change my whole body language just to face them, just so that they knew that I was there and I was present and I cared about the work that they were doing. So something that simple and having me stop forced me also mm -hmm. reinforce. So that physical action reinforced a behavior that I wanted to do. And it was to be present and to listen and to fully hear them. And so we would have a conversation if it was something in depth and I had some work, then I would just say, Hey, later on, can we dive into that? Like right now I need to finish this. So then I would just speak it as simple. Once again, like just communicating. So it's really like just hitting these fundamentals. Um, and I had issues, you know, there was still, still, um, some folks that we had issues with. And once again, we would sit down mm -hmm. and we would talk to them 
and we would spend time with them and like, hey, what can we do? What do you have going on? How can we help you out? Instead of just jumping to, hey, you messed up and now we're going to discipline you. So to give them to give them a chance and to really work with them. And um, that was really just hitting those basics. And so often the basics, right? There's, we have this saying, there's no advanced tactic, tactic. There's only the advanced application of the basics. Mm. So when you think of these high level military operators, right? And you watch some movie and you see, you know, see somebody clearing the room or clearing the house or clearing the compound. You're like, man, these guys are awesome. They're doing the same thing that everyone else is doing. They've just been doing it for so long. It just looks so good, but they're doing the basic stuff. Like you can only go through a door so many ways. Right. So it's like, Hey, how they enter. And it's just like, and that's what really, even with pro athletes, you see it. You watch somebody in high school and you're like, they, they fumble. They're still learning the basics. You watch somebody in college, you're like, oh, they're pretty good. College, you know, there's some good plays. And then you watch pro athletes. And so just it's that same thing in the military. You have these different level of operators, if you will. And just some folks have been doing the same thing for so long. And they have these little tricks and they have their style and they have their thing. But they're doing the, they're just walk, stepping through the door. It just looks different, but it's hitting those basics. Mm. Excellent. Excellent. Um, so you mentioned uh, a book that, you, that you've written. Uh, it's, uh, it's called Leading from Within, Pushing and Pulling the Natural Leader Inside All of Us. And what I'd love to know is, what is the pull? So... So the book's actually, so it's a, technically it's a journal. Um, okay. it's, a, it's a leadership guided journal. So okay. instead of writing something and saying, hey, Lawrence, if you want to be a leader and then I start shitting on you, do you know what you should do? You should do, and it's like, I'm of the philosophy of, hey, my experience I can, we can collaborate together. I can maybe write, if you were a coaching client, I would, I would share some things from the past like I just did. Hey, here are some things that work for me. Hey, Lawrence, did any of those things connect with you? Is there something there that you think would work in your situation right now? That's the pulling. The pulling is asking questions. And it's so hard because we're so used to telling. We're so used to the pushing. We're so used to, if I'm the leader, hey, Lawrence, I need you to do this, this, and this. And hey, Lawrence, you need to be more this, this, and this. And blah, 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 blah. And blah, 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 blah. And even in organizations, like you read it and it's like, you're doing this. And if you want to promote, you got to do this. And it's, and so, and I'm not saying all of that's bad. It's not. Mm -hmm. That's just what we're used to. The coaching component, the asking questions of, Hey, Lawrence, what does leadership mean to you? How does that show up in your life? How does how you show up at work and show up at, at home, what are those commonalities? How do you now, even with, so right now, parents now find themselves in, as homeschool teachers. Right. Hey, Johnny, or I use my son's name, Gabe. 
hey, Gabe, you need to blah, 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 and you need to sit down, you need to do this. So even as a parent, so this is something I'm working on in my personal life. As a parent, I find myself telling and telling and telling, and I, and I hear myself right. because I'm so in tune to it because of what I do now as a coach. So now I started to move from really consulting or telling or mentoring to now this idea of coaching. Hey, Gabe, what's the schedule that'll work for you? Hey, what are we, what are we, what's something that you could be doing that could help you out? So now that's the pool piece. Even with my daughter, with uh, she does, well, she used to, not, not recently, uh, horseback riding. Hey, Alexandra, what are your goals? Instead of like, hey, you need to win this competition. Hey, Alexandra, how, can, how does a win show up for you in this competition? Oh, dad, you know, um, just me competing. Like, that's a win. I love it because I'm getting out of my element and I'm competing and I'm not used to competing and I'm still getting, she's like, so just me showing up and having the confidence to show up, that's a win. And also a win is like, Hey, if I'll give myself one mess up. So if only if I do one little mess up, that's a win. Well, when you're talking to a, a nine, 10, 11 year old kid, those are big deals. Hey, yeah. Alexandra, what else can you control? Um, I'm not sure. Can you control your work ethic? Yeah. Can you control, you know, maybe be mindful of your emotions or your sportsmanship? Yeah. So now we can look at these other elements and gain more from it than just like a win is only first place and that's it. Like now you like there's all this goodness to collect and all you're trying to do is collect this one little thing when there's so much more to collect. So now for leaders in the business realm, there's a lot of the same thing. Like, hey, there's so much goodness. What's important to you? What do you want to focus on? So that's the pooling. So the journal that I wrote is, um, it's really, it's a guided journal. So somebody goes through their leadership, their leadership journey, mm -hmm. they're literally writing their leadership book. Like, I don't know your past. I don't know, you know, like your values, your beliefs. So who am I to, I can share those things with, with you. And you might, you know, even with our. I'm not going to take those things, but I'll take these things. So now it's like, there's all this information, right? Podcasts and books and YouTube channels and TV shows and, um, you know, keynote talks. And so there's all this information. So what I tried to create was something for a format that somebody can go through. So whatever they choose to listen to, whatever they choose to read, whatever they choose to watch, whatever environment that they're in, they can go, go through it and figure out what it looks like for them. So now what I've taken is is basically leadership coaching, a watered down version of it because right. it's a product. It's not an in-person experience. And that, that was really the whole intent of it was to take something that I feel is so valuable and now make it more accessible to people and really just help people navigate their leadership experience. So this is, you know, this is fascinating because when you talk about the pull, the way you were talking about it, this sounds so familiar to me. It sounds a lot like my sales training. 
right? So I lead sales teams and, you know, the old style of selling is about pushing a product on someone, mm -hmm. right? You're telling them, telling them, telling them. Um, but the, that doesn't, you know, that doesn't work in this world where people have access to incredible amounts of information. You know, if you go back, you know, before the internet, um, the sole arbiter of information was the marketer, mm -hmm. right? Uh, because you really didn't have any easy way of researching anything on your own. But now with the incredible amount of information and, and instant access to it that we have, I mean, to the degree that I could be speaking with you for the first time uh, and you didn't even expect my call, but within 10 seconds of the conversation, you know more about me than most people because you're on my LinkedIn page, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, in a world like this, where you have instant access to everything and anything about the person you're speaking to, what they do, uh, what product or service they represent, you can no longer simply tell someone what they should be doing. So ergo, you, you want to pull, you want to pull them in, not push them onto anything. You want to pull them in and you pull by asking questions about what they value, what they want, what they need. And that's, you know, that, that's it. So what you're, what you're saying is fascinating and it is so, so true, so connected to leadership. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so I find that fascinating. Thanks for sharing that. And I'm, I, I have a question for you on mindset. Mm -hmm. I've heard you talk about mindset and I'm really curious if you, uh, about, uh, this concept you, that you speak about, uh, with respect to a feeder mindset. Can you, can you discuss that? Can you elucidate on what is a feeder mindset? So I've done some martial arts training for a couple of years. So this idea of feeder mindset actually comes from Sayakali. And, uh, and the feeder mindset is that of- Hold on, what is Sayak? What is that? Sayak's a family name. Okay. So it's a, it's a type of martial art. And so this idea of a feeder mindset, um, I, I got from them. And okay. very close with, with the family. Um, amazing, amazing folks. So for those that are interested in martial arts, it's definitely worth, worth checking out. Okay. So, so a feeder mindset is really somebody that um, takes takes control of their environment, and almost the opposite of of what I just said of the of the. Um, pulling like, hey, Lawrence, well, what do you want to eat for dinner? It would be more of the direction of, hey, Lawrence, there's a great sushi place right down the street. They have specials tonight. We're going to go down there and check it out. And you'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, sounds great. So that's more of a feeder mindset. So more of like driving and directing your path mm -hmm. is, is, that, is that feeder mindset, is, is looking, looking ahead, being prepared, examining your level of willingness, and um, and and tracking your awareness of what you're stepping into, and then driving the results that you want. So, so a feeder. So 
what is the, okay, so what's the opposite of a feeder mindset? Receiver. So what is a receiver mindset? It's, it's the complete opposite. So, so I guess a, a good way, I'm trying to think of another example. Another example, let's say uh, in a combatives realm is if a bar fight, I'll go to a bar fight. Okay. So I'm at a bar, you and I are in a bar, we're having a couple of drinks. Somebody comes up, like bumps me, right? Typical bar thing. I'm like, oh, excuse me. Like, hey, do you want me to scoot over? So now I'm already driving that conversation. Right. I'm like, oh, you want me to scoot over? You have enough room. I'm being polite. So there may even be deception in that as well. So I'm already driving. it. So right. I'm, I'm almost posing as prey. Like, hey, my bad. And now I'll see, like, I'll give him maybe a chance. I call it a chance. I'll give somebody a chance. Okay. And now if they're a jerk or maybe if they, maybe they square up. So like, oh, what did you say? And they, I call it the, hey, knock me out. They square up and they put your face in your face. That's the, that's the hey, knock me out. <laughs> so now they square up. So they, typically somebody like that, it's like, oh, I'm the predator and here's this prey and I'm going to prey on them. And, and now I open palm, hit this guy. Right. Or I say, hey, sir, you know, um, you know, please don't attack me or whatever. Like, is that a knife? Or I throw something and I strike them. And so now I'm using all deception. I'm driving it. Um, and I'm controlling the situation. Um, and maybe I get down, I roll him on top of me and he's knocked out and I'm like, get him off me, get him off me. And the guy's knocked out. People pull him off. And I'm like, man, I can't believe this guy attacked me. So I'm driving the whole scenario, right. creating the dialogue for the environment, giving the environment like, I'm like, oh, man, I can't believe that uh, that guy attacked me. Did you see that? And you're like, oh, yeah, I saw him attack. I'm like, call the cops. Like, get somebody here. Like, I got to get out of here. I can't believe this. Like, I came here. I just wanted to have a drink. And now I leave, I got this guy knocked out and everyone hears the narrative of this guy attacking right. me. So kind of through story, if you will, that's having a feeder mindset of driving the environment, driving the actions, being in control, driving it. Um, and then the receiver is the guy who's knocked out. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking about what just happened to him when he wakes up. Right. So I guess we want to make sure we have a feeder mindset, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, Fantastic. Yeah. So, so if I may offer, offer something else. So mindset's really just like our pattern, our pattern of thought, like how we think about something. So wh whether it's uh, something like a crazy situation I just described, like combatives or, uh, you know, something with, with a street fight, but really like, how do we think about something? So what's your mindset towards academics? You know, what's your mindset towards this podcast? So what is that pattern of thinking um, and then looking at that pattern and then deciding that pattern, I like to say, is it conditioned or is it choice? So is it conditioned? Are we just in a pattern that we're not tracking? Like, Hey, why are you doing that thing that you're doing? Oh, I'm not sure. I never thought about it. So it came from somewhere. So it's a condition. It came from the environment. It came from our upbringing. It came from our DNA. It came from somewhere. So what it does is it, we can now take a pause and, and look at our choices and like, hey, what choice do I want to take? And now we open up possibilities. 
to now new or different choices as we move forward. But now just recognizing that, you know, whether it's our, our mindset or, you know, I, I know we're, we're already moving close to an hour, um, but there's emotion set. So our patterns of our feelings, like what's our emotional pattern? And that's a question that like most people kind of pause and they're like, my emotional pattern. Yeah. Like we feel something throughout the day and even not feeling something is feeling something. So like, what are you experiencing throughout the day? Is it something that's been conditioned or are you making choices on how you feel about that thing? So, okay, that's great. So um, that leads me to ask you about something I've heard you talk about. And obviously you could probably just talk about this for an hour that I'm going to ask you, but um, you just mentioned choices. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I've heard you talk about choices and, uh, and, and destiny, right? Choices and destiny. There's a couple of things in between mm -hmm. there, but choices and destiny. Um, could you explain how choices and destiny relate to leadership? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so really I look at leadership is we use this word leadership and even organizational leadership. So, so specific to the work environment. I, I really look at leadership as that deeper level, right? How do we got ourselves? So asking ourselves, so even when I, when I put this journal together, man, I really, I wrestled myself constantly and I argued and I debated myself and I went back and forth and I, I finally came to this thing of like really asking ourselves like what it is to be a leader is like asking ourselves like how we're choosing to use, live our life, you know, so so how how do we live our life? And when we say organizational leadership, it's 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 really being more specific. How do we choose to live? You know, how are we showing up? Um, how are we living our life in a work environment specifically? So this idea of choice is, um, and this is nothing. It's been around for for thousands of years, and there's different people attributed to it. But like, choices lead to habits, mm -hmm. right? Habits lead to character. So character is essentially, if you will, a sum of all our choices or sum of all our habits. Mm -hmm. So habits lead to character. And then character, and, I, and I'll tie it in, I'll be, I'll be selfish, I'll tie it back into our being, right? Our being, our character. And character comes from the Greek word etched. So what is etched? What is that mark? What are those habits? What are those things? What are those choices? What, what we're repeatedly doing. So what we're etching, what we're repeatedly doing over and over, if you walk a path and you walk a path and you walk a path, you're going to eventually see a path if there one wasn't there. And there's neuroscience and everything else that goes into this. And our character leads to our destiny. So our being of like those things of like, hey, I'm, hey I, I still value strength and service. Well, that's driving my destiny because in my being, I still want to serve. And I still want to show up and like help people be stronger in their means. And I want to, I want to co-create their journey, their leadership journey. So my being those things, those deep beliefs and those deep values that I have show up differently, but it's driving my destiny in that, and that, that long-term route, you know? So even now I'm looking at more education, which I'm not excited about, but I know for the long-term goal, it'll pay off and it, I will then be able to service and help more people on their journey. That's, uh, 
Yeah, that's, that's powerful. And I'm wondering, can you like, do you start with choices or can you say, here's what I want my destiny to be. So in order to have that destiny, I have to have this character and I have this character, I have to have these habits in order to get these habits, I have to make these choices or is it the reverse? Yes. Yes is my answer. Yes. It's the reverse. Yes or is my answer. Lawrence, where, where, where would you like to start? <laughs> so that's really, that's really what it is. It's, 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 Hey, what works for you? You know, even the other day I, I had a conversation. Um, who was I talking to? I think I was talking to, I wasn't talking to a client. I was talking to a friend Okay. and they're like, Hey, I'm trying to do these long-term goals, but I don't, or I, I'm trying to do short-term goals, but I typically do long-term goals. I like doing long-term goals. I'm trying to force myself to do something different. And so we had this whole conversation at the end of the conversation through asking questions. I was like, so it sounds like I'm hearing you can do a long-term goal. You can do a, you can still stick with your long-term goal. And now when you break down that long-term goal, after you break it down, you're going to have short-term goals that fall in a line with that long-term goal. So then you don't have to fight yourself. Why fight yourself? Because you're probably going to lose. <laughs> so now instead of like, I don't want to do long-term goals or I don't want to do short-term goals, do your long-term goal. And when you break it down, you're going to have steps to get there. So now you call that those first three steps as your short-term goal. And he was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. So just helping people navigate it because language is still important. Words still matter. So these things are important and it really is a, you know, even when I go into organizations, I'll listen to how people talk to each other. I'll listen how they describe something. So there's so much power in language. It's just taking the time to listen to it mm -hmm. and then to have somebody, you know, like me or the tool that I'm coming out with just to help you navigate those things that you're saying. So that's why I like saying yes. Yes is always my answer. And then go back to like, well, what makes sense for you? Right. Yeah, that's, uh, that's very strong. That's very strong. I, I know we're coming up on, uh, on our time here. Uh, so I have two quick questions for mm -hmm. you, Dan. Number one, what, where, where do you draw inspiration? you know, what, like, what inspires you? What motivates you? Yeah. You know, um, I just, it's funny. I, a friend of mine, we say, uh, I just want to be a good dude. And that's, it's going to those basics and that mantra of just be a good dude has mm -hmm. been with me for a long time. And and I'm real hard on myself. And so just trying to do the right thing and just trying to be, you know, a good father, just trying to be a good husband, just trying to be a good teammate. So just being a good dude and the pressure that I put on myself. Um, I'm Christian by faith and I'm a, I'm a deep believer. So having those, having those, that value system, having that belief system, runs in line with that like hey and to not be a hypocrite and i think just so hey be a good dude don't be a hypocrite even this morning you know i have a 15 year old kid who's now homeschool and quarantine so he's not happy and i don't blame him right 
And I found myself, I was like, kind of being hard on him. I was like, hey, pal, like, what you're doing is not working. It's not working for mom. It's not working for me. Like, we need to relook at this. So we started going through it and relooking at it. And then as I'm saying these things to him, I'm hearing myself say these things. And then I'm like, you're a hypocrite. You're not doing that thing. So it's funny because, you know, just a couple hours I saw him. I was like, hey, pal, me chewing you out totally inspired me. I cleaned my office. I organized the paperwork that I was putting off. I did this thing. And right. so we just, we, we laughed and it's really like, Hey man, like to be integrity and you use that word at the beginning of this. And I like to define integrity of alignment of thoughts, words, and deeds. Okay. So to be a whole person, to be a singular person. So as I say something, it's not, um, you know, Navy SEAL Dan and then this other Dan and this, it's a singular I, it's a singular P person of integrity and it's that alignment of hey what i say is is you know what i think is what i say and is what i do and it's this alignment and so for me just trying to align those things and when you really spend time thinking about that uh, i would challenge most people i would say it's a lifetime it's it's a lifetime work um so the, those are some of my thoughts on on motivation and and inspiration Great stuff. Um, one last question then. So you have all these books behind you. Um, I'm really curious what books have made an impact on, on your life. Oh man. That you would recommend. So here's my book advice. Cause I don't, I don't give simple answers. <laughs> I, I think you found out. So <laughs> I go back to, there's so much information. There's so many books out there. I would, I would go back to you and say, what are you now trying to, what are you trying to, to be? What are you trying to do? What are you trying to know? Mm -hmm. So what is the direction that you're going in and what book, what podcast, what TV show, what, what speaker, what YouTube thing will service you in that direction? And so it's, so I use almost like how I was using the chocolate chip cookie earlier. What I use for this is it's like working out like, Hey Dan, I see a lot of gym equipment behind you. Mm -hmm. What type of workouts do you like doing? Or like, Oh, I like doing squats. Like, okay. What rep range? Like, Hey Dan, can you write me a workout? Mm -hmm. I could, but like, what do you want to do? What injuries do you have? What equipment do you have access to? How often do you want to train? What's your nutrition look like? Like, what do you enjoy doing? So I would come back to you with all these questions and then your workout may look totally different than my workout. So now it's the same thing with books. And so what I like to do is, is really put that question back on the, on, on the individual and have them just pause. And instead of just reading random books, mm -hmm. it's like, it's the same thing. I don't just eat random things. Like I, I stay pretty much on a nutrition plan. Do I have a cheat meal? Yeah, it's planned. And, you know, my, my daughter likes to bake and she made cinnamon rolls last night. So did I eat a cinnamon roll? Absolutely. I absolutely ate a cinnamon roll and it was amazing. I'm not going to say no to my 10-year-old daughter. So is there junk food that we eat? Yep. 
is there junk books that I read? Absolutely. Is there books that I like to, you know, read every now and then just to take my mind off of a textbook or some knowledge book or like, you know, um, so that's, that's how I, that's my, my, I, that's my mindset, if you will. That's my pattern of thinking on how I look at books. So the books I read are very different and unique to the things that I do because they're in a line with what, with what I'm doing and okay. with who I want to be. So I make sure that the things that I want to know service both those things that I'm doing and those things who I want to be. Wow. Uh, that's a deep answer. Yeah. <laughs> it's a deep answer, uh, but, Good. It, but it's great. It, it, it's great. Um, so thank you so much for, for being on uh, the Alpha Human podcast. Um, where can our listeners learn more about you, um, your leadership coaching, uh, and, you know, all things, uh, all things Dan? So the best place is dan.p.luna on Instagram. Uh, I have a team3lx.com website. I have a team3lx YouTube channel. I just started doing stuff for for first responders on there, kind of like a TV show, if you will. It's um, triaging time is the name of the show. Mm. And so I'm working on a lot of stuff specific to volatility. So leading through volatility, um, my background services at, so what I was talking about transitioning earlier. So what I've done is like, Hey, what makes sense for me? You know, my undergrads in leadership, I have a master's in leadership. I'm a certified leadership coach. I'm getting ready to uh, apply to a, a doctorate program in okay. education with a specialty in leadership. So it's like, Hey, everything's driving in leadership. Hey, what's everything from the past? Like, I didn't do private equity for 20 years. So I can, I can talk about maybe some principles or some things that, that goes along with the business field. You know, I didn't do finance, you know, I've done a short stunt in, um, in consulting, in business consulting, in corporate. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm working with a, a corporation or a small business right now. So I have some exposure to that. That is not my, that's not my specialty. So, so I'm taking that thing from the past and I'm able to like take that and still move forward and still get to evolve and now still get to become and not get stuck in the past of where I used to be, but now continue to evolve with the strength of my past. And so I'm really looking at specializing and leading through volatility and I'm working on something called pre-traumatic coaching. So right. if you look at trauma and all the research and work that's done, it's done after the event. Right. The work that I'm trying to do, and this really came from stuff that I was doing at the Naval Academy, was, hey, what can we do prior to the event? So when I was at the Naval Academy, at these young midshipmen, these young students that had never been to combat, and I'm seeing what they're going through, and, and we're really doing a disservice to them but not preparing them enough. And that preparation, we're really good on technical skills, right? So even doctors right now, they're really good at medical school, the technical aspect, not so great on the human aspect. So now that's really, that's hence 3LX, this 360, this holistic, you know, mind, body, spirit, emotion. And I like teasing out emotion and just naming it. So really bringing all those 
and not necessarily specializing in any one of them. There's a lot of specialists out there, but collecting the information from it, putting it in a package, developing curriculum. That's where I'm looking at a doctorate in education. Okay. So developing edu uh, education and curriculum around it to really for, you know, folks in boot camp, folks going through maybe specialized training, firefighters in their academy, police in their academy, doctors as they're going through medical school. So even through those in the observer role, so feeder, receiver, observer, so those in the observer role, those who watch. Right. So if you have, um, for instance, somebody who's a drone operator, and now they're watching an assault team do an action. Right. Or somebody, uh, here's a better one, somebody who does intel gathering. So the intelligence that I gathered led that assault team to that target, and they ended up killing people on that target. So for me as the intel, I'm not pulling the trigger. Those were the operators or the feeders. The people who got shot were the receivers. But now for me as an observer, as I watch these things unfold, how do I process that, man, I just gave information, and that information led to maybe when the teammates were killed. Maybe those people who I didn't know, their fathers, their sons, and you start putting this human element, and now a story, because we're, as humans, we're meaning, we're constantly meaning-making machines, so right. now people start maybe second-guessing, even for doctors. Hey, did I do the best? I did this, should I have done this? When they have that time to reflect. So the work that I'm trying to do is really the upfront work to better prepare somebody. So now they incorporate those habits, those protocols, and it's not, hey, now I have PTSD. Oh, and now I have to change my whole way of living and life. And I have to go through all this therapy like, hey, let's do upfront work to now resilience is really bouncing back quicker. Like, hey, we want people to bounce back. We want people to enjoy life. So now as we set these things up, People can now do a 30-year career as a cop or as a firefighter as they're in a volatile environment and go through this volatility and as they experience this, this volatile environment, they now have the models and they have, and I'm not telling them, hey, you know what, Lawrence, you should meditate. I'm not going to do that. Maybe time in nature is your thing. Maybe a long run is your thing. However, having that conversation up front and just providing the tools and helping people navigate those tools so they have a plan as they move forward. So when they experience something, they can now better understand that experience, better process it. Do I think I can get rid of trauma? Of course not. Do I think that through this, we can reduce it? Absolutely and help people be more resilient as they go through a tremendous, you know, you're a cop and you've been on the force 15 years and now you're shocked because you had to shoot somebody. Like when I talk to law enforcement, that like boggles my mind. You've had a gun on you for 24 hours for 15 years and you've never considered the thought that you had to use it. How insane is that? Wow. That's insane to me. You're in the military and you're overseas in Afghanistan and your friend was killed and you never thought about losing any of your teammates? You never considered that? You never considered losing an arm, being blind? Like, how come? Are those things not important? They're absolutely important. Wow. And they're absolutely hard conversations and they're hard things to think about. 
and there's ways to lead up to it. That's not, you know, step one. So there's these steps. So anyways, I, I'm and that's that. not, and, and so that's not being taught. None of that is being taught. None that's of those conversations are, are being had or taking place. That's so, incredible. yeah. So that's really, that's the work that I'm trying to work on. Um, so yeah, website, YouTube, team three LX, Dan.p.luna. Um, what else? <laughs> great, great stuff. I love it. Yeah. I mean, uh, really, really like awesome stuff. Fascinating. And I, I mean, what you are providing is, I mean, there's such a huge gap out there for that kind of thing. Understanding that that doesn't exist really for the most part. My God. Um, you know, it's, it's, that's going to make an impact. So I wish you huge success, Dan. Um, you know, you've got an incredible story. You've got great advice and great ideas. Uh, and, and to be fair, I mean, I've, I've read a ton of books. I, I, I'm constantly listening to, to, to speeches and podcasts and, you, and there, I don't know of anyone who's really speaking the way you speak. Everyone else seems to be a carbon copy to some degree of someone else, but you're really coming up with very original uh, thoughts, content, and advice. So thank you for that. Thank you for being on the show. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Awesome. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.